My goodness. Welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. That was a long hiatus, huh? <laughs> uh, I had a good excuse, though. Uh, I hope I hope all of you aren't too mad at me for, what, taking, how long was that? Three weeks? Something like that. Off here uh, recently. I had a good reason. Like I said, I am currently broadcasting to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. So I no longer live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, my beautiful apartment and everything there with the lake view, that's no longer, but I am now sitting at my new arranged apartment here in Las Vegas, uh, beautiful Henderson, Nevada, to be specific, and uh, I am loving it so far. Um, it's a really, really nice area. Uh, I ended up getting an apartment that's directly um, like one floor down from my best friend that I grew up my entire life with, right? So it's a really weird uh, situation where things just kind of aligned. Um I'm also starting a new job at the same time, uh, working with one of my other best friends from childhood. It's it's a really weird kind of thing going on here, guys, because like I'm rekindling and reigniting things with uh, friends that I, I mean, not that I lost the friendships at all, but kind of coming back together with people that I haven't seen in a while. And it's made me really think about um, connection, uh, meaning, like how meaningful certain people can be in your life. Uh, and why you really, you got to be careful about burning bridges. Um, maybe that's what we should talk about today. <laughs> burning bridges. Um, okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about burning bridges today. Now. Wow. Has a lot happened in the last three weeks, right? I don't know if you guys can feel it. If you can't, or if you haven't felt the anger, the resentment, the hatred, the confusion, the fear, the anxiety, like all of these things becoming more and more palpable um, as, as this chaos kind of grows. I think you may be seeing what I've, I've been trying to kind of point out here for a little bit that what's happening now, and it's not, I don't, I feel like this is a fact. I feel like this, I'm certain of this, but we are moving into a more chaotic time. Excuse me. And that it's not, it's nothing to run from. It's nothing to be afraid of. Now, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. I can like hear people right now. I'm like, uh-huh, nothing to be afraid of. Look at the TV dipshit. Yeah, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I know there's a lot of scary shit out there right now. There's a lot of people that are afraid. And that's why you see that on the TV. Right? That's what people look like when they're afraid. I think a lot of people right now need to ask themselves why they're doing what they're doing. I truly ask that question. Now, I, there's a lot of, like, I'm not, I'm going to try to avoid getting into the specifics of all the shit that's going on right now, especially the racial kind of divide that's growing. Because that's what's happening is there's a racial divide that's growing, not being deleted. There's this kind of lie being told that there's, the only way to defeat racism is to kind of acknowledge that it, it's one race's fault, I guess, or that racism only comes from one place, something like that. It's this idea that white people may created racism. It's so simple and comical at, at the face. It's, it's kind of hard to not laugh, I think, but a lot of people believe this shit. <laughs> and one of the reasons I bring it up, like I said, I don't want to dive too much into it because I know it's a very, very heated issue for people. There's a good reason for it too, right? 
there's not a person on the face of the world uh, on the face of this planet that has a conscious uh, conscience or is in any way a, a moral person that doesn't feel a gut-wrenching like nausea watching the George Floyd video because I think Joe Rogan uh, I forget which episode it was I was listening to one yesterday I think they summed it up pretty well it's something like you watched a man be tortured for eight, eight and a half, nine minutes, and then killed. And that's something that um, we've thought we deleted from society. But that's part of that's part of what this podcast has been about, too. You know, it's like we haven't deleted that part of people. We haven't deleted evil from the world. We can't. We can't delete evil from the world because it lives inside of you and me and everybody else. Anybody that tells you that they don't have evil living inside of them, they're lying. Run the other way. Definitely don't follow them. <laughs> it's one of the surest signs that you don't want to follow somebody is if they present themselves as a savior. Now, <laughs> I can also hear like a lot of people here like, but you say you're a Christian. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a Catholic. Yeah, I am. I don't think that I have to like abide by any set of ideas or rules because I'm a Catholic. You don't have to be whatever the label is that people put on you. Let people label you. I think if you do the kind of soul searching work, the kind of internal work that's necessary, you like try to work on yourself, which is kind of a process of of figuring out where your your edges lie, where your ego is, what that is, how you lie to yourself, what you've been hiding from yourself, uh, and what ways you're lacking. In what ways you're scared to admit you're lacking, defining all of those things, and then figuring out a path forward, a way to kind of engage in the world where you do the least harm. Because that's really what you have to realize about yourself is that you're such a wicked fucking thing, honestly, that you gotta you sh- you should treat yourself as if you, you should be cautious with yourself. This is an idea that Jordan Peterson talks about. You need to treat yourself as a dangerous thing because you are. Know that you are a dangerous thing that has all the capacity and all of the potential to do all of the evil shit you're seeing on the TV right now. What did I say before? The greatest evil is done with the best intentions. Nobody ever thinks they're doing something, harming someone, harming something or society itself for because they're wanting to be, you know, some villain. There is that kind of thing that can be created. It's why you, what you see when you see the like Heath Ledger's The Joker. And any Joker, really. The Joker that you just saw with Joaquin Phoenix as well. Once you get pushed to a certain point, there's this nihilism that can encompass you and then you want to see the whole world deleted. I cannot, it's eerie how similar the world looks right now to the ending of the Joker movie. The new one, the Joaquin Phoenix one. Go rewatch it if you haven't. What happens at the end? Chaos. Rioting, looting, violence, everybody wearing a mask. You know what that represents? Everybody's outsized ego. 
growing out of control, taking over, taking complete control. Because that thing taking over you, that ego inside of you, it's similar to the idea of God, I think. Combined, if you combined everybody's ego together, that's like the, the evil thing, the evil one, the, the Satan himself or whatever you want to, however you want to describe that thing, darkness. You know what I mean? It's everybody's ego combined. Just like God is the idea of all of our best individual qualities combined together you know like we're neither none of us are like enough none of us are even close to perfect but combined is what when you get even close to the idea of perfect the idea of god right same kind of thing in the opposite direction and that's kind of what the mask is you know the the metaphor of the mask and and um in the end of the joker where everybody kind of dons these masks to hide their face as well I mean, it's literal. It's a literal comparison to what's going on right now. What are people doing? Wearing masks, literal masks. Now, I want to ask you a question, real quick. Everybody's out here like saying, "Oh, I can't stand how people are acting right now. People are so short. Everybody's so angry. Everybody's so like kind of on edge." It's like, okay, but we don't. We're not. We're stopping there. We're not going. Clo- we're not going deeper. Why do you think that is? I think it's because you are literally part of, part of the reason, not the whole reason, part of the reason, because you're literally covering, covering three quarters of your face. Now, I think there's like a practical scientific basis in this too. It's like you, 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 so much of communication is, is micro expressions, right? And so you don't, you don't get those when you cover the mouth. I'm sure you've experienced this when you go to order something, if you've been wearing a mask or any, if you work maybe in a place where you have to wear a mask constantly, you have to like pull down the thing so people can see your mouth so they can understand what you're saying. Even if you say it loud. You know, even if you're speaking really loud, people still say, huh, sorry, what? Because so much of how they hear you is by seeing your lips move and reading them too. And, 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 and watching how your face kind of, you know, clenches and unclenches and where it wrinkles and where it doesn't and where, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? You're covering that. And so you're making yourself into this general thing with two eyes. You're masking who you are. And because of that, it's allowing people to do really horrible shit. It's still, de- it's deleting you. It, it's separating you from responsibility and uh, responsibility for your actions. That's what it's doing. I have slightly more respect for people that go out there. You know, and at the same time, it's like, you know, we were just supposed to be quarantined. And then, I'm, you know, it's like I'm slightly more respectful for people that don't wear the mask. Like, hey, I haven't been wearing one, period. Right. And we've gone over why. But the I have slightly more respect for people out there in the middle of a protest that aren't wearing masks because at least they're showing their face. You know what I mean? At least they're attaching themselves to what they're doing. I do believe there's a lot of people out there with good intentions. I believe there's a high likelihood that the people that are not hiding their face have good intentions. I think there's also a high likelihood that if you're hiding your face, you you may not have the best intentions out there. Or at the very least, some people that are hiding their face are using it in a wicked way to get away with shit, to allow their kind of dark, evil selves to come out 
without the ramifications, the control aspect that usually sits there, the thing that attaches your identity to what you do. We've deleted that with a mask. Coronavirus has allowed people to do that. It's giving them, it, it, it's, it's been like, oh, it's a justification. Why are you wearing a mask? Oh, because the coronavirus. I think there's a lot of people that are using that as an excuse right now. So they can destroy shit. Because it's fun. Don't try to lie and say it isn't. There's a reason people are doing that. And it's not for some kind of righteous purpose. Don't let anybody tell you that. Evil begets evil, good begets good. You don't destroy shit or tear stuff down with good intention. You can trick yourself into thinking you do that. You can even trick a whole society into thinking that's what you're doing. That's not what you're doing. You're creating chaos. And worse yet, you're doing it intentionally. And worse yet, you're maybe doing it with a savior complex, saying, telling yourself that I'm doing this for the good of humanity. We just went over the seven deadly sins. What's the worst of them? Pride. What does that say? What is an example of that? Confusing yourself with God. Thinking that you have more control to discern what the proper path is than all of the combination of human existence that's come before you. Whatever that distilled information idea is, which is the virtues. Instead of following that, you're you're looking out into the world and be like, you know what, this isn't fair. Let's go fix it. No. Because you're not going to fix it. You're going to make it a lot worse. Look at the TV. I'm sorry, guys. I got a lot of alarms going off here. Um, Because my... Hold on one second. Alexa, stop the alarm. (laughs) So, uh, I guess this is a good segue. Maybe I was getting a little too worked up there. Um, (laughs) Because I know this is a very, very... um, Alexa, stop. She's starting to do her own morning briefing for me too. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I've i been... Wow, this is a lot of stuff going on right now, guys. Sorry, hold on one second. Let me get all of this snoozed so I don't have to... So I don't have to do this again. Okay, we should be good. Sorry about the interruption. Maybe that was a good way to kind of pause on that because that's a very heated topic, right? I don't want to be too aggressive with people. I know it's sensitive. I understand why everybody's so angry why everybody's so hurt honestly right why we i i I think this is kind of a watershed moment for a lot of people that were asleep for a long time about the reality of the way that some people in this world experience inequality experience unfairness experience kind of evil experience darkness where i think all these ideas are going wrong is in assuming that that's the only kind of group or the only kind of... There's only one kind of suffering and that's it. That everybody else has 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 the perfect walk of life or the perfect, the perfect go at it. And there's something really evil in that idea because it assumes you know other people's perspectives and you don't. It's like racism in itself. It's, it's, it's looking at somebody basing a judgment off of how their life goes on nothing but how they look. We can't do that. You see how evil begets evil. It creates more of it. You try to eliminate racism, right, in other people. You create more of it. Don't try to eliminate it in other people. You can't. 
you don't have the power to eliminate how other people think. You can't reach into somebody's head and change the way they think, no matter how bad you want to. You cannot do that. All you'll do is create violence and suffering. That's all you'll do. The best thing you could bet to do is try to try to eliminate that in yourself. Try to make sure that you're not out there acting in a, in a way that would, would, would spread racism. Treating each individual person based on how they treat you. I think that's a really good way to operate. There's one, it, it, you don't, and here's the problem with that though. It's, a, it's also very hard to do right now. Because if you respond with how people are going to treat you, because there's a lot of racism out there right now, you're going to get more of it back, right? So you almost have to be careful. You have to take the high road a lot of times, guys. If you're out there and you feel like people are being super aggressive with you, I think a lot of times the best thing to do is just say nothing. Let your actions speak louder than your words. If you feel slighted, if you feel like somebody's you know not giving you a fair shake or, or, or stereotyping you or whatever it is, and this goes for everybody. I'm not talking about any one group or myself specifically. I'm talking about everybody. If you feel subjected or objectified, Sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing. Now, I know that sounds crazy, especially right now. But I don't think we're helping anything right now. I think what we're seeing, I think this is a very, very unfortunate side effect growing pain that we're still experiencing of the internet that we're not properly identifying the spread of information it's just in the video form in the visual form and the the kind of technology we have where we can we can kind of be or transported to any place in the world instantaneously through these kind of youtube connections and stuff like that and anybody that has a a cell phone in their pocket you know you're instantly connected to basically every single person in the world and what they're seeing and hearing you're going to see evil acts in the world. They're going to be captured. And here's the problem. The reason you're seeing it more around, uh, I think like police is because that's the kind, that's the organization that deals with darkness on a regular basis. You got to ask yourself, do you want to do that job? If the answer is no, then just say, okay, why do I ask yourself? Why don't you? If you do want to do that job, ask yourself, why do you want to do that job? Right? Now, I think if you don't want to do that job, there's probably a pretty clear reason why. Yeah, I don't know. I can't define what that is for you. For me, it's, 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 um, I've done that job before. I was a cop in the military. I wasn't a cop in the, in the outside world, I guess the civilian world, you'd call it, but I was an MP. So I think more than most, I understand the perspective a little bit better. And and I think one of the things that turned me off about being a cop was this lack of control or autonomy that I had. This is me specifically. I didn't like not being able to say, hey, I don't agree with the way that this law is applied in this specific situation. There's a lot of gray areas. The law is not about gray. It's about black and white. It's part of the problem with interpreting things through a legal structure is it's, it's very life is gray, you know, laws and rules are black and white. Yes. Or up or down. Left, you know what I mean? It's like you have to have a concrete answer for them. And so as a cop, you're going to encounter a lot of times when the law has to be applied one way or the other, and you don't know which way it needs to go. This is the situation you're put in every single day. 
That's the part we don't talk about very often. Is the decisions you have to make as a police officer that aren't necessarily even related to life and death every day, but it's just you're putting yourself in a position where you have to be the thing that interprets whether this person has done something wrong or not. That is the difficult part about that job. We don't understand that. That is so incredibly difficult. To put the responsibility of discerning whether another person has committed an act grave enough to affect their life in a detrimental way. To be the authority figure on that. Do you understand how much of a weight that is on somebody? Now, do you also understand how much that attracts people that want power? It makes a lot of sense, guys. Why you would have people that would do shit like what you saw with George Floyd. I'm not condoning it in any way. It makes me sick to my stomach to watch something happen to a human being, a living, breathing person like that. It's horrendous. And to watch other people stand by and watch that happen. That's the that's the evil growing in the world with good people not acting that I'm talking about. It's not you going out there and screaming about how mad you are. It's that other officer standing next to that guy watching him die and saying nothing. Looking that girl in the face as she's filming, asking him to help and doing nothing. That man and every other officer there have such a grave responsibility for what happened there to not say anything when you have authority to and responsibility to. That is the part that is not being talked about. That is the wrongdoing that we need to correct as well. The shithead that killed George Floyd, those exist. We're not going to exist. Uh, eliminate those people. I promise you, you won't. It is so unfortunate, but you can't eliminate that kind of evil from the world. It exists. What you can do is encourage people to act in those moments. Not to be some blanket warrior for some kind of fairness in the world, but to know that when you see injustice happening in the world, you say something in the moment. Hey, no, 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 you're not going to do that to somebody. You're not going to kill somebody in front of me. Because we have to realize that is me. George Floyd was you and me and everybody else. That's why the feeling is so palpable. I know that, and, and, and there's been a lot of uh, people watching, and I shared it the other day because I think it's a good perspective. It's a, I forget her name. I'll have to look it up. But it's a, the really popular video of kind of the contrarian view on everything right now, the George Floyd you know, thing. And I think she brings up some good points. But I, I also think that we need to... You know, one of the points that she brought up was, you know, this this man did not lead a perfect life. He was on drugs or whatever the hell else that people are trying to dig up. And and here's the thing. Like, I don't know what if he was or not. All I know is the man should not have died. He could have been a very, very flawed human being. He probably was for trying to fight the cops. All of that. I I even if all of that's true, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that good or people did not act. The people that could have acted in that situation did not act. Now that is something that we do need to change. That is something we can encourage in people. I think there's structures that encourage that kind of action in the world. We call them religious structures. If you follow those virtues we outlined, there's no way you're not acting in that situation. 
No way. If you actually try to implement them in your life. You are not going to stand by and watch somebody be murdered in front of you when they're begging for their life for absolutely no reason. Now, I, I think I'm, tr- I'm going to try to make, not make this confusing. I'm trying to talk from like the perspective of the other officers that were there standing that could have done something, right? This is what the perspective I'm talking from. Those, those officers needed to act and they didn't. That is a, such a grave sin towards all of human beings because that is, a, that is a responsibility failure there. You know, that is a very, very tough job like I just outlined. It is extremely difficult. The only thing you have there, and this is partially why there's such a brotherhood, is your other guys watching out for you to show you when you're getting out of line. Those men need to check them. Check uh, their, uh, their other fellow officers. I think a lot of officers know this. I think this is trying to be done right now, but also I think it's hard to communicate to a populace that is this angry that, hey, we can't just delete the whole thing. We, and also, here's the other thing, man. We can't, like, I know that a lot of people liked, like, when all these, these police organizations went out and, like, kneeled down and started marching with the protesters. That is so not good, guys, because there needs to be a separation there. Like I just explained, th- these, these organizations... Their purpose is to provide a structure, right? That we can, that makes society somewhat navigatable. But if the thing that provides that structure starts to relinquish the responsibility of maintaining it and march instead of enforce, then we have an imbalance that grows and chaos grows. You need a certain amount of structure, just like you need a certain amount of chaos. You can't have too much structure or else you kill life itself. Like too much structure is dead and cold. But too much chaos is like overgrown. It's like, it's like, it's, it, it's, it's so unpredictable, it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And so it's, it, we want something in, in between. So you don't want to delete like enforcement of law. You want enforcement of law. You need to have some structure that people can navigate, can depend on some solid ground to stand on. But you also need to make sure that it's not so structured that life can't thrive, that people can't be who they are, or at the, at, at, for, sh- for certain that people aren't targeted based on anything like race or gender or anything like that, right? That they're not specifically held back because of any of the characteristics out of their control. Now, here's the thing. I still don't and can't find any kind of legal structure or written down legal legalese or you know for lack of a better way of describing it that or uh, laws in our country that enforce that kind of action holding somebody back based on any of those things i just described i don't we don't have that anymore there is no and, and when we talk about institutional racism that is literally the definition of it it's an institution with the sole purpose of enforcing some kind of racial or racist action. The way you do that, the way an institution acts, is through litigation or law. It's like their active extension of themselves. People may be thinking there's no way out of this. I get a lot of that right now. There's no way out of this. Yeah, there is. (laughs) 
again, we just said the tools from ourselves. <laughs> it's almost, it's funny, man. It's like uh, all this stuff we need is like staring us in the face. Just like, hey, live a good life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't try to fix everything. Chill out a little bit. Focus on yourself. The first uh, first question I have to all these people that are out there trying to say, fix the world is like, hey, man, like, you got your shit together then, huh? Oh, you got everything running perfect in your world? Your house is perfectly put together and you, you know, you know how to do your laundry and cook for yourself and all that kind of shit. And you can fucking raise a kid and do all these other things. And you got all that just knocked out and nailed, perfected. Because that's the thing you have direct control over and actually direct responsibility of. But instead, you're out here on the street screaming about something that you have absolutely zero control or effect over. And all the while, all those actual responsibilities that you could be controlling are degrading. And so what's happening to the world if we have a lot of people doing that at the same time? The world is degrading. It's turning to shit because people aren't actively taking care of the responsibility they have in their own life, not in the world. You have no responsibility to fix the world. No individual person does. Anything inside your head telling you that, that that's what you need to do, is evil as fuck. Run the other way. I'm telling you. I guarantee you it is. I've gone down that path. I've been consumed by that evil and that darkness. If you don't believe me, try it the fuck out. You don't have to believe me. Try it out for a second. See what happens. (laughs) You'll run the other way. I promise you. You don't want to go down that road. It's going to get more and more violent and crazy. And the more and more violent and crazy it gets, the more you're going to realize you are out of control and you can't get back to where you were. The more and more you'll feel like you're drowning because you haven't been taking care of the responsibilities and the things you need to be taking care of in your own life. And so those are going to become more crushing. And then you're going to blame the world more for it, not yourself, because you're already blaming everything on the world. Don't worry about the world. Worry about yourself. We can feel and pray and, 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 and do everything in our individual power to make sure that we are not seeing, witnessing, or encouraging the kind of shit that happened to George Floyd to happen in our lives. That is the best and most practical way for us to, not, to, to, to make this not happen again. Anybody that wants to argue against this, please present your argument. I know that's like a really cop-out way to do it because nobody's talking or sitting here across from me, but I, I cannot for the life of me, and I try, figure out a way that out of this besides that. A more practical way. Can, uh, taking into account the fact that everybody believes that they're controlling their own shit. That everybody actually thinks that they're the most important thing in the world. We live in a world in, a, in, a, in, a, in an age of absolute ego madness. So the only practical way for us to actually fix the world, fix the world, quotation marks, is to fix yourself. This is an idea that Jordan Peterson preaches, and I think it's, it's one of the most needed messages in the modern world. Fix yourself. I think it comes from Carl Jung, his uh, one of his most his favorite philosophers, and I haven't engaged with him much because Jung is so deep. He's like Nietzsche. You have to like you have to really really chew on his stuff for a while. I haven't engaged with Jung's source material as much as I'd like, but I've been able to filter a lot of what he talks about the ideas from Jordan Peterson, and 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 this is one of them that I think is so important because you can implement in your life, and I promise you, if you do that. If you try to fix yourself, you'll realize, oh my God, I can do that. And there's so much you have control over in that as- aspect. But if you look out into the world, I promise you all you're going to find is pain and suffering if you look for it. You're going to find it. 
you're going to find more and more and more and more and examples of why this world shouldn't exist. That's why you got to be really careful with trying to fix it. It will trick you into think into making in it will trick you into making it want to end. And you'll start to root and loot and riot and destroy and all this shit. And you'll feel justified in doing it. And then you'll blame the people that aren't doing that for not helping you do that. You know what I mean? That's eventually what we'll get to. We haven't gotten to it yet. But pretty soon we're going to have people like, oh, you're not out here protesting and destroying shit with us. Well, then you're part of the problem. Fuck you. That's what's going to start happening here soon. Right? You're the enemy, man. (laughs) It's in a weird way. It is kind of this this, this counterculture, the second wave counterculture that's happening right now. And um, it's dangerous, man. We got to be really careful because it's, 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 it's more violent and active than it was the first time around, I think. There was some violence in the 60s, for sure. But I don't think it's as widespread or as consistent or drawn out, the kind of protests and stuff that we're seeing. I don't think it's as, it's as, it's as big of, as it was before. And I also don't think our institutions are responding the same way because they don't feel like they can. Here's the pro, like it, you don't. It, it's like we nobody wants to see a Kent State. Nobody wants to see that, right? Where the National Guard is out there shooting people on the front lawn of a of a university. That's what happened to Kent State, right? But at the same time, when you have people like that's what we're going to come to. Like people are actually going to start screaming and demanding that for the National Guard to come down there because there are these are people's lives and businesses we're talking about. These are individuals that have done things according to the rules. And what's happening right now is a whole lot of unfairness on that side as well. And so if you think those people that are experiencing that kind of unfairness aren't going to blame you, the person that just destroyed their shop, they are. And there's going to be a lot of other people with businesses watching that happen that are not going to allow it to happen or not going to continue. They're going to scream at some point for somebody like the National Guard to come in. It's already happened, right? In a lot of places where they're down downtown areas. I think it's in Vegas so they have National Guard downtown. Most downtowns, right? At some point, that's that will if, if if it escalates, we're at an escalation point, right? Like violence begets violence. Like it's going to escalate to the point where people die. You know, I know that everybody out there that is protesting doesn't have the intention of rioting or looting or anything like this. I know that. I know a lot of people. Most people aren't out there doing that. I get it. You know, but at the same time, what are you doing out there? What are you doing out there? Then. Are you saying you're mad? You don't agree. You're standing in solidarity, which is what a lot of people would say, right? Okay. You could be acting. Just not in that in the way you're thinking. You could be acting and, and, and be actively engaged in those responsibilities I was talking about in your own life right now. You could be leveraging this in some way to try to help somebody else. You could be doing a whole myriad of things that would be more beneficial and directly impactful to the community itself at large than standing out there with a sign that shows how angry you are. I'm not trying to be condescending. I understand, like, there's validity in your feelings. I'm not trying to take that away, either. At the same time, they're not well-founded. And we need to start prodding why people are feeling this way. Or else we are going to tear our society apart. I felt this coming for a while. I knew it was coming. We've been talking about it. It's been leading up to something, right? Yeah. 
we gotta be careful because we are at a really important like crossroads right here as a society. Are we gonna tear it down? Is that really what we're gonna do? Because it's not gonna come back quick. These things, what we have here is so delicate. It took so long to put together. It's the combination of billions of human beings before you. Effort, constant striving, and lifelong effort to push themselves and their family upwards. That is what got us here. Don't let anybody tell you that it's because somebody cheated or because somebody acted unfairly because the world's just broken and we need to fix it. Don't let anybody take that away from you because you have the opportunity, the ability, and every fucking ability, I, I mean, every ounce of you can be something more. You have every that capacity. Don't let somebody tell you that the world is what keeps you back. It isn't. It never will be. The world is there for you to overcome. The world with all of its flaws is put there for you to grow as a human being. That's why we can't eliminate the suffering inside of it, guys. We need it so desperately so that we understand how to be something that produces good. So that we move this thing, that steady march forward, upward, 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 slowly, but surely. We don't lose faith. We don't become nihilistic in thinking that just because there is suffering in the world, the whole thing should be deleted. That life shouldn't exist, period. That is the encompassed idea of evil in the world. The distilled version of it. And we need to be so careful because it is more palpable now and more front of mind now in society than I have ever seen in my lifetime, or in the recording of lifetimes that I've tried to engage with before, right? In the history of this thing, I, I don't think we've had this kind of nihilism grow to this kind of boiling point where people are acting on it and trying to, literally trying to tear down the society, thinking they're vindicated in doing so. You're not. You either find that out in the moment or a little bit later once everything's burning. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you don't get to tamper with the world. It'll snap back like a rubber band. <laughs> it will slap you in the face every single time. Again, the reason I say this is because I feel like I've tested it in my, my life. And it doesn't work. You know, like you try to control things in that way. You try to go out. I, you know, I tried to, that's what I studied was politics for that reason. Because I felt like the world was so backwards and messed up that it was my responsibility as an individual to go and fix it. And so I literally spent, you know, my whole college career and then a small portion of my time after that, you know, a summer essentially out in D.C. trying to break into that side of things. And when, it's one of the things that showed me this was that that it didn't show me this, but I realized I learned very quickly that the, that there's so many people out there trying to do the exact same thing as you. If you think you're the, like this, all this shit, if you're just having this realization right now that, oh man, like black people have had it so bad. If you're just waking up to that man, like welcome to the fucking party. There's been a lot of people that have had that idea for a very long fucking time. There's been a lot of people that have been thinking about inequality and how bad it is, how much we need to fix the world, all this shit. Anything, anything you think you've had original thought wise, politically, I promise you, you haven't. (laughs) Somebody has thought about it, tried it and failed at some point. I'm not saying there can't be new ideas, but I'm just telling you, you're not going to be the thing that fixes the whole world politically. The political system is broken, and it's broken for a reason, because it it hasn't been maintained. 
There's ideas inside the political system, our foundational ideas that we haven't maintained. Virtues. The founding fathers fucked up by not putting them in there. Not actually writing out, be honorable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be prideful. Don't, like, don't do all these things, and that's how we make sure that our society doesn't degrade. Instead, they're just like, oh, they'll be good because they have church. That's why they separated church and state. They thought that churches, that kind of institution would be the thing that guides people. Tells them, hey, speak up if you see somebody kneeling on somebody's chest or, or neck while they're, while they're gasping for air. That's the thing that tells you to speak up and gives you the courage to do so. I th- that's what the founding fathers believed. That's why they have a separation of church and state. They didn't want the state tampering in that thing that keeps people lined up properly. Because the state is corruptible. It always is. It operates based on whatever's best for it. Not always what's best for the people. For the good of individual human beings. Life itself. It can become so structured that it kills life. Again, it's like it's, you don't want too much structure, too many rules. It literally becomes cold and heartless kills life who I've had so much to say on this anybody listening to this every single person listening to this The suffering you've experienced in the world, which you have, I know you have, I'm sorry for. No, it's not my responsibility. But nobody ever, I feel like people need to hear that. That you, 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 that you just, people just feel like they need to be recognized, that there, that there's been this hurt that they've experienced and that nobody sees it. It hits me really hard right there, see? Like, like <clears> that nobody sees like how, how, how much hurt people endure. And that, that's, that what's happening right now in a very specific way is a certain stereotype group. And their, their suffering is being shown front and center. And the travesty in that is it's, it's, it's making it seem as if the, that suffering is only encompassed there and it's so it's such a travesty to other people (laughs) man i'm not trying to make this selfish or talk about myself i'm generally talking about the amount of suffering that exists in the world above and beyond that the kind of things that people have gone through before this or still are enduring right now that haven't gotten people out in the streets tearing stuff up or tearing stuff down you know what i mean that we haven't even recognized or acknowledged that's why i say i'm sorry because those people haven't heard or, or had any recognition or, 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 or we're doing them a disservice in some, in some way right now by not recognizing the general suffering that exists in the world. Not just your individual suffering. It's such a travesty. Life is suffering. Your life is suffering. My life is suffering. George Floyd's life is suffering. We all have our own dose of it. How do we recognize that? That we are, we have suffered, we've been done wrong in the past, all of us. And we still need to be good people. How do we do that? 
How do we fully recognize and look at all the shit that people have done to us in the past? All the bullshit and crap and, 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 and resentment and anger and, and jealousy and hatred and rage and shit that, fill, like, that people have filled you with. Right? How do you deal with that? Stop blaming them. That's how you deal with it. It's not their fault. No matter how bad you want it to be. Suffering isn't any individual person's fault. Suffering is inherent in life. Life is suffering. What you're getting is a dose of suffering because somebody else has suffered too. Connects. Right? What do they say? You know, if you, um, it's really unfortunate. Right? But that people that are molested, a lot of times pedophiles have been molested when they were children. There's this passing on of suffering. And it grows evil in people. And the best thing we can do, all of us, is recognize that we need to stop blaming other people for that. You see? How we cannot, that we cannot get anywhere. There's literally no practical way to get anywhere by trying to fix other people. You can't. You, I mean, there's, there's no crazier thing to try to control. The only thing you can control is you, man. Like control yourself. Make sure that you're not spreading that suffering into other people. You're not, you know, lashing out in nasty ways. You know, or whatever it is. Whatever your version of that's my version of it, but whatever your version of spreading that evil is. Do that work on yourself. Try to figure out where your outline is, your border is, where the virtues you know, pop up in yourself, all that kind of stuff. Try to figure out where you lie. And wherever you don't like, whatever you don't like when you see, because there's going to be things you don't like about yourself when you look at yourself like that. Fix that. Work on that. Take one thing at a time and work on that. And for some reason, when you start doing that, all of these other problems in the world fade away. It's not that they don't exist. They still exist. But what you realize is you have no control over them. So you don't try to change those things. You just try to live your best life. And other people will look at you and be like, how could you do nothing? How could you sit by and just watch? Well, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing the best thing I know how to do. It's literally, I'm, I am showing you exactly what I, I, I can do, what I have control over. I'm trying to live my best life and not be somebody like that person that killed George Floyd. You want me to do more? How? <laughs> you know what I mean? I ask you how. I can't change other people or how they act. I can just I can just control myself. You should do the same. All right. And with that, guys, I think I'm going to wrap it there. I actually have to get ready for work here soon. This is a I went to the gym this morning and then also uh, decided yeah, I got the itch. You know what I mean? It, this happens. I tried to sit down about um, three or four days ago to do this, and I hadn't had uh, had everything set up properly. You know, because it's a different space, and so I, like I have to be in the right mindset to do this. You know, because I don't like to be. Um, I don't like to let other things affect me. You know, if I'm mad about something else or whatever, I try to like be a little bit, you know, calm down. So I'm, I'm speaking about something that's meaningful and not just relevant to me. Right. Um, 
But anyway, it took me a little while and it, it hit me this morning. So I hope you enjoyed that one. I hope it wasn't too offensive for anybody, right? Like I know that's a weird word, but that's not my intention. I hope you know that. It's not It's not to try to offend anybody or to try to uh, tear down anybody's perspective or your efforts, honestly, if that's what you're doing. I know a lot of people are out there genuinely trying to do their best, their best conception of what it is in the world, right? Like, like fixing the world. I get it. It's a good intention. You just have to understand the best, like evil is done with best intentions. You have to know that. But just because you feel good about what you're doing doesn't mean you're doing good. Those things are not the same thing. We need to separate those. <laughs> feel good does not equal good. I know it's a simple concept. I don't mean to be condescending, but that is something we've lost. I don't know how, but we've lost. Feel good does not equal good. Not always. Sometimes. Not always. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Uh, well, with that, that's the Unfounded Podcast signing off. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope been staying safe out there. And uh, I will be back at it as soon as I can. Okay, I've been more busy here, but I definitely, um, I don't want to let this go. This is my passion, guys. This is what I really feel uh, good about doing. And I, I, I get energy from it. So uh, I hope you do as well and be safe out there. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.